Well, good evening. Glad to have. Oh, it's quiet. Good, good evening. Yeah. <laughs> my goodness. Hey, uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Brian Robertson. I'm the lead pastor here uh, at the church. And I'm very grateful to have uh, so many of you join with us. Uh, and I know many of you are guests this evening. We hope that you are encouraged, inspired, and, and reminded of the goodness of God in our life. Uh, and we hope that as you leave, uh, this evening that you feel maybe a little bit more like family than you did when you first came in. But many of you are also regular parts of the Crossroads family and it's always just really good to see you and to see our children with us and to have them be a part of our service and part of our family together. So very glad that you've spent uh, this afternoon, this evening uh, joining with us. Uh, for those that may be uh, gathering later, maybe on our, on our online campus or listening in later, we're grateful to have you guys as well. Well, as Pastor Jake mentioned earlier in just that little game uh, earlier we played, that we're trying, seeking to rediscover some things about Jesus, in particular, the kind of person or why he was to come uh, on that first Christmas morning, and what were the aspects of Jesus' life, and how those aspects change who we are and what we are to, uh, how we are to live. The announcement that the shepherds heard from the angels, what this was going to be good news for great joy for all of the people, as Jacob mentioned, not just our people, not just the people around us, but it was to be for all people. And for this, we learn a few things about the nature of God and about the nature of life in his kingdom, life in, as his followers of Jesus. And I just want to take a few moments to, to consider a few things about this engagement between the shepherds and the angels. This announcement that the angels give about the birth of Jesus and what it teaches us about God. The first thing I want us to consider this afternoon is to whom the announcement is given. We're told that this announcement, as you read, as we heard read for us in the storybook Bible version, we, this announcement was not given to the palace or to those that are in the inner circle, but to these field, these uh, shepherds that were living in the fields nearby. That these angel, this angelic choir shows up and they give this great news of good news of great joy for all the people. And we need to understand something about the shepherds. That the shepherds were not the elite class. They were not the favored people of the day. They weren't the top of the class. They weren't the ones that were on the, the cream of the crop, as you will. They were the outskirts. They were the riffraffs. They were the forgotten people. And yet it was to these people that the angel said, to you a child has been born. The announcement was first given to these riffraff out living in the fields uh, with their sheep. Now while you and I may think that we've arrived, that we're in the inner circle, that we like to think that we're somebody, most of us, if not all of us, know what it feels like to be on the outside looking in. We know what it's like to not be in the inner circle, whether it was when we were growing up or whether it is now, sometimes we can find ourselves on the outside looking in while somebody else is the one that has more favor than we do, Right? Whether as when we were younger, when we were teenagers, or while we were in our teen 20s, or maybe as we've grown into adulthood, there have always been somebody else that we look at and we think they're the favored ones. They're the ones that with more degrees to their names. They're the ones that have gotten the promotions and succeeded in success in their careers more than we have. They're the ones with more material goods that have accumulated, more toys in their garage than we have. They're the ones that have better behaved children than we have, right? They're the ones that are getting married at the time that they should be getting married, and we're not yet married. And they're the ones who are having children, and we're not yet 
having children. And we can always find ourselves on the outsides looking in for someone else is the favored one and we're the ones that are kind of outside. And yet on this Christmas morning, the birth announcement was given to those on the outside. Not the inner circle elite class, but those that are on the outside. The announcement was to you, a child has been born. This child would be visible proof that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Notice what the shepherds heard from the angel, right? Heard that into today in the town of David, a, a Savior has been born to you. You who are on the outsides, you who are on the, the outskirts, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord and these shepherds get up and they run and they go find this baby. See, this good news of Jesus was meant for the whole world, not just the elite top of the class, but for you, those of us that feel like we're sometimes on the outside looking in. Jesus was born for you. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're in the inner circle or the outer circle. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're spiritual or not. It doesn't matter if you know when you come to church if you stand or if you sit, if you sing or if you're quiet. It doesn't matter if you know the right answers or if you don't. If you've ever cracked a Bible in your entire life or if you've been reading it for the last 24 or 5 years. For unto you a child has been born. He is the Savior, Messiah, the Lord. For unto you, the angel said, the Savior has been born. And this is good news of great joy, especially for those of us who walk around with a healthy dose of insecurity because we know that we haven't measured up in one way or another. We know that we're on the outside. It reminds us that the love of God is not determined on how religious you seem. The love of God is not determined on how well you behave in church and sit and stand and do all the right things. But the love of God is solely based on His grace and His will to love you where you are and in whatever situation you find yourself. So this baby that was born that we celebrate tomorrow morning, his birth, the Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Those three phrases I want to consider next, not just to whom the announcement was given, but how did the angel describe this baby, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Those three things, take it real quickly. A Savior has been born. That all of us need a Savior. Whether we were created to live our life with God, and yet we have turned and rebelled against God in small ways and sometimes really big ways. And as long as we live captive to our sinful ways, then we will not live the abundant life that Jesus has come to offer us, the forgiveness that he has come to offer us. We all need a Savior. And Jesus, we are told, is that Savior, the one who would bear our sin, the one who would take upon himself the penalty of our sin, and he would conquer it once and for all in his resurrection. And this is good news, that a Savior has been born, the one who can set us free from the captivity of sin. This is what we hear about oftentimes when you show up to church. And it is true that while we deserve the consequences of our sin, the good news of Christmas is that God has made a way for us to live eternally with him, both now and the rest of eternity, through the forgiveness that only Jesus can offer us. All of this because Jesus is 
our Savior. But then the announcement says not only has a Savior been born, but He is the Messiah. And I want us to notice something, that He is a Savior, but He is the Messiah, which means that there's only one Messiah. And the name Messiah would recognize that He is the King. He is the reigning, ruling King. Long-awaited one that would sit on the throne and rule with God's justice and God's righteousness and establish His way of living in this world. One would usher into, the, into existence the way of God in this world, consistent with God's good purposes and God's good plan for this world, that the Messiah, the King, the reigning, ruling King has come, and His name is Jesus. So Jesus does indeed save us from sin through forgiveness and through his work on the cross and resurrection, but he also establishes his rule and his reign, one that is holy and just, abundant and good, because he is the Messiah. So to receive him means to not just receive him as Savior, but to receive him as King, to recognize that he is the one who sets the authority. He is the one who sets the standard of living. It is to submit our ways to his ways, and when we do so, we find eternal, abundant, good, pleasing life. The Savior on, this, on that Christmas morning or that evening when Christ's birth comes to this out skirts ragtag bunch of shepherds on the outside looking in and tells them that good news of great joy because a savior one who can save you from your sin who's come and he is the messiah the king then he says he's the lord the lord there was only one again he is the lord not a lord not one of many and while we don't often call people Lord anymore in our culture and day, but for centuries, the term was a familiar one. It was a one of, of authority, one of respect. Someone who had authority over you was their Lord. They were important to you. They were oftentimes the most important one for you. And while we don't use that term very often, there are still things and there are still people that seek to have the highest priority in our life. People and relationships or pursuits and passions of ours or positions of ours that seek to try and claim the highest priority, that they ought to be our highest goal that we ought to be going for. But Christian people, people who submit themselves to Jesus as Savior and receive Him as Messiah, recognize that He alone is our highest authority, that He alone is our highest priority, meaning He is the Lord. And whenever something or someone else seeks to claim the number one spot in our life, the place of God in our life, whenever someone or something tries to take our highest priority, then we always strive after those without any kind of satisfaction. They never bring ultimate satisfaction. And they lack abundance and joy and peace and goodness that they claim to give, but they never really do because they are not Lord. There's only one, and it's only Jesus. So for the follower of Jesus, the Christian, the apprentice to Jesus, there can only be one who claims highest authority in our life. There's only one who gets our allegiance, and that is Jesus. And all of our life, how we interact, how we respond to the culture around us, how we interact with the people around us is influenced and directed by Jesus, our Lord. So much so, by the way, that about 50 years after the birth of Jesus, there was a king in Rome whose name was Caesar. And he said that in order to operate in Rome, in order to operate in the Roman world, you had to bow down to him and claim these three simple words. Caesar is Lord. 
In order to operate and do commerce in the city, all you had to do was every so often, about once a year, just show up to the temple there, bow down before and say those three simple words and claim that Caesar and that Rome was your highest priority and your highest allegiance was to Caesar and was to Rome. And there was tons of people that did that. And they would come through and they're from all over the known world at that time and they would bow down and they would claim Caesar is Lord. The highest priority is Rome and Caesar as their Lord. But there was one group, one group of people that simply outright refused to do that. They would pay taxes, they would pray for the emperor, but they kept the exclusivity of that place, of the word Lord, the one supreme place in their life to none other than Jesus. One small, fledgling little group. And they would be persecuted for this. Some would be imprisoned, some would be separated from their family, some unfortunately would die for this. But they wouldn't stop. That wouldn't stop them. They knew what the angel had said to that ragtag group of shepherds out in the fields was true. That that baby that was born, he is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And Jesus as Lord became this dominant theme of the early Christian church. And the early Christians began to say that over and over. And in other words, in order to be saved, in order to be a Christian, you had to claim Jesus as Lord over your life. None other than Jesus as Lord. And so when the predominant culture was driven by selfish gain and trying to uh, uphold the Roman way of living with pride and with arrogance, driven a divisiveness between us and them, the ins and the outs, this small group of believers who followed the way of Jesus, they claimed Jesus as Lord. They followed his ways of compassion and generosity and helping others in need, regardless of their social status or their racial boundaries. This small group of believers followed the way of Jesus, fueled by his compassion, by his view of the world, and that led them to see the dignity in each and every human being that they ran across, and that led them to radically and selfishly and sacrificially serve. It was this small, ragtag group of believers that found themselves following the ways of Jesus to establish hospitals, to care for the sick, to run towards those who were sick rather than keeping them away. It was this ragtag group of believers following the way of Jesus that, or, that, that made up orphanages to care for the children that were neglected and pushed off to the side because they valued them as image bearers of God. It was a small ragtag group of believers that claimed Jesus as Lord who offered forgiveness and reconciliation towards those who had hurt them, those who had spited them, those who had spit against them, those who had harmed them. It was a small ragtag group of believers who claimed Jesus as Lord that changed the world, not only because they saw him as their Savior, able to forgive their sin, not only because they saw him as Messiah, establishing a rule and a way of living in this life, but because they believed him as Lord, the highest priority and their highest allegiance was to Jesus and to submit their life to his ways rather than the prevailing ways of the culture. The small ragtag group of believers who heard that they may have been feeling like they were on the outside, not the elite class, and yet they received the message from the angels that, a baby had been born, and that changed everything. And this baby was not just a savior, but he was the king, the Messiah, the Lord, and everything changed in light of his coming, in light of his coming. So this Christmas, 
It really comes down to this. What do you name Jesus? What do you see him as? I hope that you would know him as your Savior. I hope that you would recognize that he has come to set you free from the entanglements and the entrapment of your sin. Through his sacrifice once and all for all on the cross and through his glorious resurrection that he saves. I hope that you know him as Savior. I certainly hope that you know him as Messiah, that he is King, the one who has established his rule in this world full of justice and righteousness and meaning and purpose. I hope that you know him as Messiah. But I also hope that you would receive him as Lord, the highest priority in your life, that you would follow his way and that his way would lead you to a goodness and a joy and abundance both now and to eternity. See, the great invitation of God, the great invitation of Christmas is to enter into this interactive life with God that's based on the love and the grace and the mercy of God to forgive our sin, to establish His way of living in our life, and to learn to pattern our life after Him, to learn to live our life the way Jesus would live if He were us. Because on that first Christmas, those angels were right. That in the city of David, a, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. His name is Jesus. I hope you know him. I hope that as you learn to follow him, that you will find everlasting life beginning now and lasting into eternity. And so as we light our candles tonight from the Christ candle on the Advent wreath, as we light our candles May you and I be reminded that a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And when we submit ourselves to him, well, then true light and life comes to us. And we begin to experience that goodness even right now. One word of, of instruction on the candles the lit candle stay vertical, and the unlit candle you can light by dipping over this way, and then you can pass along to the people near you. And as I said, as we light these candles, we light them as a visible reminder to us that Christ has indeed come, our Savior, our Messiah, our Lord. 